Today, we welcome parent coach Cheryl Hurst to the podcast. As you'll hear, Cheryl will share what a parent coach is, what a parent coach isn't, and who would benefit from a parent coach. We also dig into her ground rules playbook for parenting. You'll hear how Cheryl is so aligned with our mission here on the podcast. And bonus, Cheryl has known Rachel for a long time, so you'll get to hear a little dirt on her too. Smarties, we will be opening the doors for Learn Smarter Pro very shortly. Learn Smarter Pro is our eight-week program for professionals where there will be professional and individualized support, behind-the-scenes business trainings, group coaching, and more. We will be doing trainings in this group that will never be offered on this podcast. So if you're an educational therapist or learning specialist who is starting or has your own practice, you are exactly the right fit. You'll also get to connect with other like-minded professionals, and who knows, maybe you'll find the Rachel to your stuff. You can sign up to be on our waitlist on our website, www.learnsmarterpodcast.com, and clicking on the LSP tab. We'll be sharing more information in the coming weeks. Now, here's Cheryl Hirsch from Hirsch Parent Coaching. Let's dig in. You want to learn faster, but sometimes working harder is just not the answer. You have to learn smarter. The Educational Therapy Podcast. Hi, Smarties. Welcome to episode 129 of Learn Smarter, the Educational Therapy Podcast. I'm Rachel Cap, And I'm Stephanie Pitts. And today I'm very, very excited to welcome someone who has known me for a very, very long time to the podcast. Cheryl, welcome. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. So Cheryl is a parent coach, but full disclaimer, she's probably known me 20 years, I would say. I am very good friends with her son. Yeah, so now you're doing this parent coaching thing, and I'm excited that our audience will get to hear from you because you are full of wisdom on this topic. I'm very excited to do some learning, and I'm sure that everybody else will too. So tell me a Rachel story. (laughs) This is one of my favorite stories about Rachel and just an indicator of her friendship with my son, Ben. We used to carpool on occasion. And my son was a very quiet high schooler, very reserved. And it was a rare occasion that I ever got a tidbit into his life as a high schooler. And so on these carpools with Rachel, I used to look forward to them because it took us at least 45 minutes to an hour to get to where we were going. And during that time, Rachel, without any hesitation, talked probably the whole 45 minutes to the hour (laughs) and filled me in on their entire goings on in high school. And it was just so much information. She gave it so willingly and openly. My son never told her to stop. I don't know if he was elbowing her in some way, but she just gave me a whole window into their high school world and what was going on. And if I hadn't had Rachel in the car, I would never know any of that information. So I just used to love having Rachel in the car. Would she ever ask him questions and then he reply or it was just like everything coming from her? Well, she would go right bed and then just keep going. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds about right. So your first parenting tip is that if your child doesn't talk to you, find a friend who will blabber everything. Hilarious. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I've actually used that tip before. When I'd say when they're stuck with you in the car, that's the best time to get information. And if they've got a best friend with you, even better. Because yes. conversations that are going on between them are always wonderfully enlightening. 
Oh, yeah. My mother used to use the car all the time. Definitely. It's definitely. Great. And let's just say, Ben, I don't recall ever telling me to hush up or I really, truly don't ever recall us having that conversation. But he knew what he was getting with me if we were getting in the car. <laughs> this wasn't like <laughs> as a big surprise to him. That's hilarious. For sure. I don't even think he cared that I knew the information. He just never Mm-mm. wanted to be the one to share it with me. So I don't think he saw it as a problem. <laughs> Even when we talk now, it's 90% me talking and he's a great listener. And then the 10% is because I've asked those questions. So not always the most forthcoming, but he's not withholding. It's just sort of, he's a listener. Absolutely. That's what makes him such a good doctor. I agree. (laughs) Did you just want to throw it in that he's a doctor? I did. (laughs) I mean, I would too, if I were you, 100%. So proud of him. That's awesome. So, okay, now that we've got the, you know, things don't change with Rachel, right? (laughs) So she pulls things out of everybody, me included, right? Because when I'm quiet, you guys hear her say, what would you add, Steph? Yeah. (laughs) So Cheryl, tell us what a parent coach is. So when I started my certification program, I have to be honest, I knew I wanted to be one, but I wasn't quite sure what it meant. And the first course of the four parts of the certification program actually help define what a parent coach is. So I think it's a little easier to say what it's not before saying what it is. Hmm. I am not a therapist. Mm -hmm. I will not go into deep, dark reasons why behind why certain things are the way they are with different ways people parent. We are our history and sometimes we're trying to overcome parenting that we had or wanting to do it similarly. So I might ask questions around that, but I'm not going to go in depth as a therapist would and try to resolve things. And also what's really important is I am not a consultant. So I am not going to work with a parent or a couple and tell them these are things they need to do. I will meet them where they are and make offerings and suggestions for them to try or offer resources but they know what works for them best. They know their child best. They know their family best. And so they need to make that decision. So I always give the example of a trainer that may tell me to do, you know, 20 push-ups at home every day and all these other things where I just know I'm not going to do that. And yes, maybe <laughs> I should, but I'm not going to. Mm-hmm. So I really want them to tell me what works best. It's a very collaborative, positive process where they come to me with all different kinds of situations, which I can detail later if you'd like me to, Mm -hmm. but it's really meeting them where they are. It's looking at what they want their world to look like versus looking at things as a problem trying to solve. It's like, where do you want to be? What do you want this to look like and feel like in your home? And then take action steps to get there. However, we do have a whole session on strengths. Like what's the parent's strengths? What are the children's strengths? What is working well? And then we want to build on those to get to their, we call it their preferred life, their ideal life, whatever language speaks to the parents about, you know, how they want their world to be. Can I ask some functional questions about how long you work with a family? Do you insist that both parents be a part of the process? And what happens when there's single parent homes too, where maybe in your house, there's one set of rules, but in someone else's house you have no control. So I've worked with all of those scenarios with a single family, a single parent. I just work with her or him. 
Typically, they don't have control over what happens in the other home, but I will help support them in what's happening with their household and how to navigate the relationship with the other spouse and what happens there. And sometimes I work with one parent and not both, Okay, but it has to have consistency. So if I start with one, it needs to continue with the consistency. Sometimes that's hard when the spouse I'm working with or partner I'm working with is not communicating with the other one that happened to where we had all these things set up of all these action steps, and then she didn't communicate them to her husband. And then it just turned out to be a fiasco. So that's important. But I do work with just one of the two parents, depending on their needs. And there is a structure as to how we work where each session typically has a purpose. Mm-hmm. And I have found from eight to 12 sessions works really well. The problems seem insurmountable. And then all of a sudden it, it gets worked out as the parents reflect and make this transformational change. I also have found that sometimes parents want to continue meeting. It holds them accountable. They like having someone to be able to talk with about what's happening as kids keep going through different developmental stages or they're, you know, confronted with something new. They like having the consistency, even if it's once a month. So there's a lot of flexibility there. However, it's usually around eight to 12. Understood. And then what are the typical ages of children in the household that you work with? Is it mostly teenagers or younger kids or? I can work with anybody because it's really about working with the parents. I'm a parent coach versus a parenting coach. So I look at the whole person Uh. because so much of it is about the parent and less about the child. And I think I've heard y'all say that on the podcast, Mm -hmm. when parents have things in place and know how to interact with their children and say certain things or set things up for the child, then the child's behavior changes. So yes, there are exceptions to that, but it's really more about the parent as a whole and you know needing to take care of themselves so they can be the best parent they can be as well. Yeah, I like it. And who needs a coach? So I'm working with somebody that's got a college age student now, which I absolutely love. And I also work with people who have toddlers. So I just want to put that out there. I really believe that all parents can use a coach who doesn't want to have somebody they can talk to about what's going on and how best to deal with things. And I think one of the reasons why I wanted to be a parent coach is if I knew then what I know now, I wouldn't have made quite as many errors. And then my kids turned out okay, but there have been some rocky roads there that I feel like if I can help someone avoid those or navigate them more smoothly, I want to be able to do that. Yeah. I have a question and you may not know the answer to this, but what would you tell your former self? What is one of those things that you would have told yourself to avoid a pitfall? Maybe I'm curious. There's a couple things that I wish I would have done that I didn't. And one of those is a family meeting and really checking in with the kids. I was a single mom and I was in graduate school while they were in elementary school. And I think we really managed pretty well, but I learned their college applications, you know, (laughs) their essays revealing something I probably shouldn't be right now. I just realized, (laughs) but but their application essays, I learned so much about my kids that I just didn't know. And it hurt my heart a little bit that I just wish that I spent more time communicating in a way that they were open to. I'm not talking about drilling them, but really 
doing check-ins, family meetings, they used to say to me, mom, what workshop did you come home from? You know, because I tried something mm-hmm. new and they'd roll their eyes at me. Mm-hmm. But I think that is a real big one that I wished that I would have done that I missed out on. And there are others, but that's a big one. Interesting. We talk about the family meeting in terms of sort of setting up the week. Yeah. Calendaring and all that. Calendaring, mm-hmm. who has to go where, when, and getting everybody on the same page. But theoretically, that's an opportunity also for like an emotional check-in with your kids. Right. I think it's important to check in with them individually, but that's a time to come in. Like, how are we doing as a family? You know, how can we support each other? You've got a test coming up. Maybe the other one will know, oh, let me be a little kinder maybe this week, but really emotional check-ins just to see how everyone's doing. And they needed to know how I was doing as well and be more open about that. And the vulnerability piece. Yeah. Well, when I lost my temper as a parent, and I did. It's hard for me to picture that, Cheryl, but go on. (laughs) Well, I did on occasion, but I realized it really wasn't them. It was because I was under a lot of stress and felt overwhelmed. And then I just felt so bad afterwards because they're looking at me like, what just happened? Because it was me under a lot of stress, so. Before we sort of dig into the meat of the episode, I want... I think it would be important for our audience because I know your sort of career background and trajectory, but I think it would be important to sort of lay out what brought you to the decision to be a parent coach. That's a really good question. I started off as a teacher. So I taught for 10 years and later moved on into uh, administration. And I was in a private smaller school, but I was a middle school principal in California. And then here in Austin, I was a head of school. And at one point I had been thinking about becoming a therapist and I realized my kids are about ready to be college age. And I thought that would be crazy after just finishing graduate school that I needed to put that on hold in the back burner. And I just realized I didn't want to go back to school again to earn another degree. Yet when I was head of school, I kept thinking about what feeds my soul? What do I love? And what are those energy vampires, those things that just... Mm-hmm. Don't serve your soul and just sap all of your energy. And I just realized how much I love helping people. And I love, love, love kids. So I just kept thinking, how best can I serve children? And I realized it's through supporting parents. So I was a little hesitant about various programs. This industry is not regulated and I didn't want to do something that wasn't a quality program. And so this one was actually recommended to me by someone who had participated in it. And when she told me about it, I called, felt really good about it, that it was a quality program. And it was. So I felt like bringing my wealth of experience, I was in education for 30 years think 30 years plus. I mean, it just lends so much to my coaching and what I really want to do, which is help support people. It's not just that you were a parent, the fact that you were an educator as well, because when you think about what are our jobs about, Rachel and I, as a therapist, the biggest pain point is education mm-hmm. and where your child is going to be and how you're going to get them there and all of that. And that is a lot of stress and anxiety for a lot of of people. So the fact that you've got that background as well to sort of help guide that, I think is amazing and probably very helpful to a lot of parents. It really is. 
And again, that's one of the reasons why I enjoy listening to your podcast so much is I do have a lot of tools, but you actually add to my toolbox and actually help me think about things in a different way. If I may give an example, yeah, I recently posted on Instagram, I'm trying to learn Canva and all these tools. (laughs) And I did one about when you feel like your children aren't listening to you. Mm -hmm. I'm going to do my own little video on this, but you know, Mm -hmm. you can't multitask and they're attending to something else. And when you're yelling at them from the other room, yes, there are times when your child really doesn't want to do what you're asking them to do, but sometimes they really are not hearing you. And I did like these five steps and I listened to y'all's podcast recently about processing and I didn't think, and I know about processing and yet I didn't think about it in that scenario. So it actually deepens some of my tools, which y'all have to offer. And I find it really is helpful because so much of the contention and the problems that parents are having is around homework yeah, and how to motivate. So I know about intrinsic motivation and, you know, how rewards don't work and those kind of things. So it really has brought in a lot. One more example is I was working with a parent and her child has an IEP, but she didn't realize that she is an advocate for her child and what she can do to support him. And yes, a very educated person, but didn't realize. And I said, look, I'm usually on the other side of this, but this is what you can and should do to support your child. Um, As long as you're respectful, but this is your right and you need to be doing these things. And it just opened up her eyes and she really didn't have a clue and it changed everything for her and for her children. So make a long story short, (laughs) it is very helpful having the background that I do. Yeah. Yeah. You can draw on a wealth of knowledge and experience to help with the other avenues. That's awesome. So Cheryl, tell us a little bit about your ground rules playbook and what it is. So I launched Hirsch Parent Coaching right before COVID hit. And um, it's been an interesting journey so far, one that I've actually loved and been learning a lot. But I started thinking that as a parent coach, I needed to articulate what I believe is sound parenting. So I put this together thinking about what I've read and really loved and thought was important because I do like to keep up and I read a lot. Also, being a parent myself, I think what was important and being in a, as a teacher and administrator, I dealt with a lot of situations with well-meaning parents that didn't realize that they were not actually acting in their child's best interest. So it was important to me to be really clear about what I stand for and what I believe because I always have things up here in my head and I thought it was important to articulate. And I recently just put these together and they're now on my website. And again, I think there's a lot of parent blame out there and a lot of shoulds and need to. A lot of shame. Yes, lots of shame. And I didn't want these to come across in a way that parents feel they're being scolded or need to necessarily aspire to in some way, but that these are just good sound principles that could be helpful to them. And if they want to work with me, I wanted them to be clear about where I'm coming from, what I believe about parenting, because there are some people that may not agree with these things and I may not be a good fit for them. I love the term playbook because if you're thinking about a football team, you cannot do all of the plays all at the same time. Such a good point, Steph. So I love your use of that 
because you got to start somewhere and plays are going to change, right? They could change throughout the day. They could change throughout the month or year or whatever it is. So I love that because I think you can really hone in on what play is going to be important right now for the parents. That's great. It's fantastic. Parenting is so hard and it's so challenging, especially now, but it is hard. And they always say there is no guidebook. And I think just that people can relate to these things, although they're not all simple to do, but they are basic in their own way. And people can think, okay, I've got that. I can do that. I'm not going to scar my child terribly, you know, by just looking at these as a reminder and going, okay, this is not so hard to do. And yes, it can be in certain moments, but it's pretty basic, however important. And people are not always aware of these things, even though I say it's basic. There are people that go, oh, I didn't think of it that way, or I hadn't thought of that. So I also look at it as I do all the reading and the research and have the experience that I can do it for parents so they don't have to spend the time trying to figure things out. I am all for that. (laughs) I love a good shortcut. Yes, (laughs) Yes, Rachel does. (laughs) I don't want to do the research. I want to be told what to do, even like in decorating my house. You got a referral. You vetted them. My sister-in-law is great at vetting people. Perfect. That's how I planned my wedding too. Which vendors did you use? Higher, 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 hired. (laughs) I'm the exact same way. And there's so much information out there and so many people doing excellent things, whether it's books, masterclasses. Oh my gosh. All the websites. There's so much that I thought, let me just put it into one place. 100%. You guys, a a perfect example is recently Rachel said, what's the cord for your phone? (laughs) And I wrote back lightning. And then she wrote, I really wanted you to just send me an Amazon link. (laughs) I just wanted the link to it. (laughs) But you guys, she asked what the cord was, not what the link was. Oh my God. I'm just like, Rachel, just tell me what to do. I trust you. I'll do it. I don't, I don't. One of my sisters is such a researcher. You know, and I'm the one that didn't even test drive the car. Right, right, right. That's what I thought I wanted. I got in after I bought it and I went, oh, I didn't realize it was so big. <laughs> I wanted to do it quick. Yeah. <laughs> and I did. <laughs> so Cheryl, I love reading over these because it just pulls from so many great places and such good advice. But so I love the playbook. And the one that I really was sort of drawn to was ground world number 12, which was all behavior is communication. Can you talk a little bit about that one? Yes, I love this one. And I have to say, this came to me at my time as head of school. There has really been a shift in education that relates to parenting as well, where in the world of education, a child acted out and we tended to punish. Right. And the shift is that they are trying to tell us something and we need to figure out what that is. So we don't punish. Sometimes there are consequences, but this is not a time to punish. This is really a time to figure out what the child is struggling with. Sometimes if they're acting out, it can be anxiety. Anxiety looks like so many different things in different children. So that is something to look for. You know, when children are younger, transition time, stopping an activity and starting a new activity, that can be overwhelming and very difficult for a child. So if they fall apart. So Sometimes that's a task that they're not sure what to do, or it's too hard, or they're not clear on something, they will misbehave. So I think it's really, really important to take a moment, because we sometimes we get triggered by these things, and really think about 
what it is that this behavior is telling us. You know, when they're little, it's they're tired or they're sleepy. But when they get older, we tend to forget that sometimes what it is, or they're just anxious and they're falling apart for another reason. But let's make it a moment of connection and relating to our child instead of one of sending them to another room for a time out or to catch themselves because that's not what they need typically in that moment. Yeah. And I'm sitting here looking, oh, I have to choose one ground rule. This is hard because I keep reading them. Every single one I go through, I'm like, oh yeah, oh yeah, oh, even more. But I'm torn. Well, Steph, go ahead and talk about both of them. Talk about two. Fine, we'll do that. All right, ground rule number eight, let kids play and use their imagination. And the reason why I'm very drawn to this one is because I love to play games with kids and I love to bring out their personalities and what's going on with them through play. So tell us a little bit about that rule. So I feel like in today's world, kids are very structured and every moment is taken care of. And it's really important for kids to have downtime and to make something of their downtime. Let them be creative. Let them use the creative mind and imagination and their inner voice, which will serve them down the road. They need to be able to have the quiet to pay attention to their inner voice. Also, play is just so important. I don't think many of us realize all the skills that are being learned through play. And I know, you know, promoting kindergarten, people say it's an academic program, it's a more play-based program. And I really think that play, again, I'm, I'm repeating myself, but it's just so important to learn so many skills and tools that are really significant when we're adults, like how to take turns, how to be imaginative, how to work with other people, realizing that there's some rules, you know, and even taking turns when they're little is really hard. And the other thing is, it's also fun. We need to have fun and we need to be able to have that downtime to relax and be our best self. So again, it just really encompasses so many areas from just developing one's imagination and inner voice to learning through play and also being able to have fun and connecting with others. I wholeheartedly agree with that. And the other thing that really resonated with me was ground rule number 13. Don't assume your child knows how to follow through on what you're asking them to do. (laughs) I have a favorite story. I was working with a parent. She's a single mom and has got two kids. And she just said, you know, she has her children doing different chores. She's divided them up and they never do it right. And then she just winds up having to do it again. And these are kids that are not little bitty, you know, upper elementary, middle school. Mm -hmm. And she gave the example of the dishwasher. It's his job to love the dishwasher and he never does it right. And it's just easier for her to do it. And I said, well, have you taught him how to do it? And she said, what do you mean? And I said, well, you know, not everybody knows exactly the best way to load a dishwasher. I said, so why don't you teach him and then have him practice it? And then I bet he'll be able to do it because he's a really bright kid. Mm -hmm. And she looked at me like it never occurred to her that maybe she needed to show him how to do it. So that is a simple example And that's with an older children, because people keep thinking this is only for younger children about modeling how to put your toys away. 
you know, literally show them where they go, how to do it, but it's actually of any age. Now I still don't load my mother's dishwasher because I find it, she's very particular and I can't seem to get it right. I know that story. Maybe that's not an good example for me, but he's at an age where he's still teachable and his mother can be pleased and wants it done, but she really needed to show him and then watch him practice. Yeah. And it's amazing because we talk about that with school all the time, right? We teach, model, practice. Absolutely. Same thing with at home. Core part of a lesson plan Yes, is exactly what you said. And people don't realize how important it is at home. And there's a lot of assumption and then there's aggravation versus if we model it for them and actually teach them, it may take more time in that moment, but it is going to save so much time and aggravation down the road. Absolutely. Even around homework time and stuff, I realized that some of the parents I work with, they don't have a system down for themselves. So the children haven't seen what it's supposed to look like. And then the parent has a hard time because a child isn't doing it. But then I realized they don't really have the tools themselves to be able to help guide them. Mm -hmm. So when we have it down as parents and we can model it and show it, it just... It's really helpful for everyone in the household. Absolutely. Cheryl, I'd love to know, what is your favorite ground rule? Well, I think they're all important, but I'm going to have to talk about two. Okay. One of them, and we hear a lot about this today, especially during COVID, it's about taking care of yourself Mm -hmm. and self-nourishment, which is the new buzzword I've learned is self-nourishment and compassion. I really think we cannot be our best self for our children if we're not taking care of ourselves. And it's just so core. And there's so much guilt, like parents feel so much guilt about taking time for themselves. And I feel like you're not going to be able to do these other things if you're not well rested, if you haven't had time for fun to get out and take care of yourself. So I just feel like it's one of my favorites because I think it is just foundational for the others to be successful. Mm-hmm. And the other one I really love is humor. Mm-hmm. I just feel like, man, we have got to lighten up a little bit. Mm-hmm. And if I didn't learn to laugh at myself, we would have had some tense moments, probably still with my kids. But, you know, they're right. I still have trouble parallel parking, especially when <laughs> I first moved to L.A. I never had to parallel park <laughs> in Texas. There's huge parking lots and driveways and garages. So just to be able to laugh. And realize that, you know, we can choose our reaction to things. And yes, there are times when we need to react differently. But I just think, let's enjoy life and get a kick out of ourselves sometimes <laughs> instead of getting angry. Even like with a little one, a parent was, you know, having trouble getting them to brush their teeth and go to bed at night. And I said, why don't you make a game out of it? Like walk to brush your teeth like a month or do these different things. But they said it worked beautifully because instead of a chore, it was just fun. And they wound up laughing and having a good time with it. And I just felt like life is too short to be upset all the time. Hmm. So true. And to piggyback off that, you know, Adam and I had a conversation last night where he just looked at me. He goes, I just want this person to say, I'm sorry. And I said, we would have been different people if we had heard that more growing up, huh? And he's like, we really would have been. And so to piggyback off the humor, it's like also, you know, apologize for being human and showing your humanness to your kids too, don't you think? Absolutely. And I think that underlies every single one of these. I struggled if I needed to have another ground rule about they're watching you, but we model all of these things. 
And I think what parents don't realize is they don't want to ever be angry in front of their kids or be upset. And yet that's what they do need to see because they need to see how you repair. Yes. And when we mess up, what that looks like. And there's nothing more powerful to a child to say, I'm so sorry. I remember doing it to a student. I didn't mean to, but I could tell that I said something that was hurtful. And that was not my intention, but that didn't matter. Your intention doesn't matter. The hurt was there. And I went up to the child the first moment I did. And I just said, I am so sorry. I can tell I hurt your feelings. I don't even remember what the situation was. And it just makes a world of difference. It's powerful. I could tell, oh my gosh, that child looked at me. So I was very open about apologizing when I messed up. And I think even with my own kids, those moments when I lost my temper and it wasn't about them, that. I believe I came up to them later and apologized and said, I'm sorry. And I think they need to see that we all mess up. We're all human and saying, I'm sorry. And taking responsibility are huge, huge values and characteristics that we want our children to have and they need to see it. Yeah. I love this as a core value too, Yeah, which you talk too. about core values, but having forgiveness be sort of a core value of your household. Absolutely. Your kids need forgiveness. You need, everybody needs to give it and receive it. So I love that. Cheryl, is there any other rule you sort of want to talk about or point out? This one is really big for me and experienced it a lot as a middle school principal. And that's that parents need to allow their children to experience difficulties and hardship. I know as a parent, I felt it myself, you don't want your kid to get hurt anyway, experience difficulty because it hurts your heart to see them going through a difficult time. But just like on your episode with Dr. Reese, I don't think I pronounced it right, but just that's when you're learning is when you're struggling. Productive struggle. Yes. Productive struggle. Also, you know, sometimes life isn't fair and we need to learn how to overcome those things and tell ourselves it's going to be okay and learn that failure is okay. And just have the tools to overcome those things. And again, the basis of everything I do is that we want kids to grow up to be thriving, responsible adults. And when parents take away all the difficulties of life while they can, the kids are not developing their tools. They're going to go off. They're not going to live in your household forever. At least you hope they won't forever. And they need to be able to navigate the world when you're not there. And the bottom line is life is not perfect. And there is going to be hardship. And kids need to learn how to do it. I haven't read the book, but I keep talking about life is in the transition. Mm. And he talks about life quakes. And that as adults, we go to three to five life quakes. And as adults, hopefully we've learned how to navigate those. And we need kids to learn that. And they're doing it now during COVID. They're having to learn how to navigate difficult times. And I just think it's crucial. They are. Are you familiar with that term lawnmower parent? I've heard teacup generation. I've heard helicopter snowplow, but I've not heard the lawnmower one. Okay. So different from the helicopter. So the lawnmower is supposedly the way the term goes is it's the parent that mows the lawn before the child goes. So it's exactly what you're saying. They're making a perfect plot of grass so that the child doesn't have to go through the weeds themselves. Right. And life is hard. It is. There's going to be something. I mean, that's usually when we grow and we learn the most is when we're overcoming something hard. And we want kids to feel good 
about what they've accomplished. And I think that's the other side of the coin is when we try to fix everything for kids, what is that message we're sending them that they're not capable and they're not competent and they can't handle those things. And we don't realize, but we're telling them we don't have confidence in them. And a lot of anxiety. Yes. A lot of anxiety. So I think we need to think about what message we're sending through our actions. Yeah. So Cheryl, how do people contact you? How do people connect? How do people work with you? So if you go to my website, hirschparentcoaching.com, you can connect with me there. I actually have a new downloadable worksheet. It's called Take Care of You that they can get for free if they want to go to my website and have to say it's really, really good. I'm proud of it. Or they can email me at Cheryl at Hirsch Parent Coaching. And I am putting all of this information in the show notes to this episode. So you guys don't have to rush around and write it down. It's in the show notes. And we've also, Steph and I went to go link it at the same time. Steph has linked the processing episodes that Cheryl was referencing. And then episodes 109 and 115, which were with Dr. Rishi Sriram. Those are some of our most popular episodes. And spoiler, he'll be coming back. (laughs) And so we'll be linking those episodes in the show notes as well. But Cheryl, thank you so much for agreeing to come on the podcast. I've been really excited for you to do this, but also just the opportunity to sort of catch up with you. And I think in our weekly email, I'll text Ben and ask if it's okay to put a picture of us in that email so people can see me and Ben together. But that's cute. um, Thank you so much. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. I loved being here. Thank you so much for the opportunity just to be on the podcast and share, you know, my beliefs around parenting. And I hope people will reach out should they need some support. So thank you. It was so great seeing you both. Stephanie, it was wonderful to meet you. And Rachel, it's always good to see you. Always good to see you, Cheryl. Thank you so much.